Once again, blessed Christmas in advance. Christmas is round the corner, right? This uh, next weekend will be Christmas uh, weekend. One of the things that uh, we receive for Christmas is Christmas cards. Or has that, has that been outdated already? How many of you have received your Christmas cards already? Yeah, I see some hands. Uh. The rest, no Christmas card. Christmas WhatsApp. <laughs> Maybe Christmas cards is being uh, phased out already. There's one Christmas card in particular that is very intriguing. Okay? Have you received uh, this Christmas card or have you seen this Christmas card either uh, physically or online? Have you seen this uh, card? <laughs> have you seen this card? Have, right? Quite common. Huh? Okay, this Christmas card uh, is a wonderful card, but it is not really totally scriptural. Why do I say that? This card shows three kings. This card tells us uh, uh, that there are three kinds of gifts. Three kinds of gifts, correct or not? Correct. Three kings, correct or not? Not correct. Very good. Wow. And they found Jesus in the stable. Correct or not? Not sure. Correct. Not correct. I'm not sure. Huh? Okay. We will find out later. And also Christmas carol. One Christmas carol, as we think about wise men, one Christmas carol come to mind. You know what's that Christmas carol? We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar. You know that carol? <laughs> what's the point I'm trying to make here? Not everything we sing, not everything we see is totally scriptural. We must learn how to take the flesh and throw out the bones if you are eating chicken wing. Okay, don't eat the flesh and the chicken wing together. Or the popular saying, don't throw the baby out together with the bath water. So you must know what to keep and what to reject. Why do I say that? Because we are going to consider wisdom as we think about the wise men. Matthew chapter 2, I shall read for us this narrative. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, this is a plural uh, tense of uh, wise men, okay? Plural, Magi. From the east came to Jerusalem. Where did they come from? They came from the east of Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his stars when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. King Herod was the king, the Roman king, and he was insecure. He was disturbed. And when he is disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. There's this saying, right? When the elephants fight, the grass die. When the ruler is disturbed, the people suffer. Because we know that his rule, he will rule them and cause fear and they are disturbed. Verse 4. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Wisely, they said, 
In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written, referring to prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi. After he heard from the chief priests and the teachers, he called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them, where? To Bethlehem. And said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, referring to the Magi, after the Magi have heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, not stable. Okay, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. Three kinds of gifts, huh? Gold, frankincense, and mirth. Very costly. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God. You know, in some circles, when the preacher says, This is the word of God, the people reply, Thanks be to God. <laughs> Why? Because there's only one truth, there's only one narrative that is truth. Not the postcard, not the carols that we sing, not what the popular saying goes or tradition. This is the word of God. Today we consider wisdom. And we are going to consider two kinds of different wisdom. The wisdom of the world and the timeless wisdom of God. Theologically, when we talk about grace, as we consider wisdom, uh, we understand there are two kinds of grace. Okay? Two kinds of specific grace, namely common grace and special grace, resulting in two kinds of wisdom, namely the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world. So let us consider common grace. What is common grace? Common grace, as the name says, is grace that is common to everyone. Common to all of God's creation. Systematic theologians have put this together for us. Okay? Because they think systematically. <laughs> so this is what it is. Common grace. What is the definition of common grace? Common grace are benefits experienced by or intended for the whole human race without distinction between one person or another. God, in His goodness, gives common grace to His creation. Rain falls to water the earth, and both Christians and non-Christians receive rain. That is common grace. Christmas is celebrated around the world. Right? No matter which part of the earth you go, they celebrate Christmas. Have you ever asked why? 
because it is common grace. There's this need for us to seek God. Why? Because that is common grace. The advent of Jesus coming to save the world is common grace. But it takes more than common grace to truly know who Jesus is and trust Him. And that is the reason why everybody celebrates Christmas, but not everybody believes in Jesus Christ. The reason for the season. They are just celebrating the season. These are some of the definitions by systematic theologians. Okay, I want to give us a warning. If you do not understand, it is alright. Because I took years to understand. And sometimes still do not really understand. Okay, So this is some of the definitions that are given by different systematic theologians on common grace. Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem says, Common grace is the grace of God by which He gives people innumerable blessings that are not part of salvation. This one easy to understand. John Frame says, Common grace is God's favour and gifts given to those who will not be finally saved. I will go a bit fast. Huh? These definitions, again, not perfect. Huh? <laughs> Common grace, John Murray. Common grace is every favour of whatever kind or degree falling short of salvation, which this undeserving and sin-cursed world enjoys from the hand of God. John Bolt, the doctrine of some common grace is based on the conviction that prior to, and to a certain extent independent of, the particular sovereignty of divine grace in redemption. There is a universal divine sovereignty in creation and providence restraining the effects of sin and bestowing general gifts on all people, thus making human society and culture possibly possible even among the unredeemed. That means to say we don't go out and kill one another. Nah. Common grace. <laughs> and then the last one, a bit long, but I will read for us. Louis Berkhoff. When we speak of common grace, we have in mind either A, those general operations of the Holy Spirit whereby He, without renewing the heart, exercises such a moral influence on men through His general or special revelation that sin is restrained, order is maintained in social life, and civil righteousness is promoted. Or B, those general blessings such as rain and sunshine, food and drink, clothing and shelter which God imparts to all men indiscriminately where and in what measure it seemed good to him. Quite a mouthful, right? Different ones have some different definition, but some things in common. What is in common? Each definition is framed with reference to salvation. Specifically, common grace includes earthly blessings that all people enjoy, but that are distinct from the spiritual blessing. That means all other blessings except spiritual blessing. Because spiritual blessing is special grace, not common grace. The ability to know Christ, Jesus, as our Saviour and Lord, is special grace, which we will cover later on. 
When Christ was born, we are told that the Magi followed a bright star looking for baby Jesus. Who are the Magi? They were probably the intellectual elites of their time. They were probably the smartest people. And that's why when everybody is hiding in their house, in the cold, they are out looking at stars and they found an interesting star. They are wise men from the east of Jerusalem and they probably studied astrology and magicians. Naturally, they wisely followed a bright star. It was believed that Jupiter and Saturn happened to be aligned during that time. So because it is aligned, it is bright. And these wise men decided to follow this unusually bright star. These men, however many of them, not necessarily three, had travelled a long distance following the star and they led it, and the star led it, uh, led them to find little Jesus. The Magi had what we term as common grace. They have intelligence. They have intelligence. They had unsurpassed wisdom, but it is common grace. They used their unsurpassed worldly wisdom to find baby Jesus. I propose this. Some of the smartest people on earth may or may not be believers. Can you agree with that? Yes, right? They just have more wisdom than the rest of us. Some of the best people in their respective fields, whether they are doctors, whether they are chakwetel seller, they may or may not be Christians. They have common grace. The best intellectuals may or may not be followers of Christ. There is no denying that one of the wisest politicians is someone we know well. One of the wisest politicians is actually the founding father of Singapore. Can we agree to that? Yes. We thank God for him. He may or may not be a follower of Christ, but he's used by God to build Singapore. He gave his whole life to build Singapore from a third world fishing village to a first world nation for which we are all grateful. God gives common grace and worldly wisdom to some for the benefit of the common people. But although the wisdom of this world is never completely wrong, it is dated, it is inconsistent, and it is insufficient. If you are taking notes, take this down. Wisdom of this world is dated, inconsistent, and insufficient, and it's not always completely wrong. And that is the reason why I show you the postcard. The three gifts were correct. Not completely wrong, right? That's why sometimes we can be tricked to think that, oh, that is from the scripture. <laughs> yeah. if, if it is an outright lie, it is easy to tell. But if it is a half-truth, that's where we have to eat the flesh and spit out the bones. Coming back to Singapore, it is therefore wise of our current government to rule differently from the way our founding father ruled Singapore in the past. His ways 
is outdated, insufficient, and it is not consistent. He asks you to stop at two, and then suddenly tell you, if you can afford, have more. What is that? Inconsistent. He may be the, one of the wisest men on earth, but inconsistent. Coming back to our narrative, the Magi followed the bright star and travelled through deserts, crossed mountains, forded rivers, endured hardship, faced bandits, even faced dangerous animals, all for the sake of coming to Jesus. The wisdom of this world is not always completely wrong because after all, they found baby Jesus. They found the Christ child. And they not only found the Christ child, they bowed down and they worshipped the baby Jesus and presented costly gifts. And then they left another way instead of returning to inform Herod. Today I want to remind us, we may think that we have found Jesus. We come and worship Him. We present gifts, offerings and tithes. But friends, that is not sufficient. You must trust Jesus for your salvation. You must trust Jesus to be your Savior. He must save you from your sin. Coming to worship Him, presenting Him with gifts, doesn't save you. Wisdom of this world is not always completely wrong. But wisdom of this world can become outdated like some of this technology in the PowerPoint. You recognize this? Some of these equipments? If you, are, if you can recognize this, you are as old as me. If you can't recognize or you do not know what are some of these things, you have a long way ahead in life. Polaroid. What is a Polaroid? Polaroid is an instant camera. Hey, by the way, we are looking for Polaroid cameras. Huh? If you have a Polaroid camera, please let me know. Okay? Because we need it for our journey onward. <laughs> okay? Let me know, okay? If you have a Polaroid. I won't shame you, okay? Don't worry. Nowadays, we don't even use film, right? Uh, digital camera we use now. What, what is that top middle picture there with the word hello? You know what is that? That is a computer. Not like that, no? <laughs> but like that. Back in those days. Apple, orange, uh, orange is the imitation apple, just in case you do not know. <laughs> Macintosh. And then, what is next to that computer? Taiko Tai. <laughs> Motorola handphone. So big, you know, and so sturdy. You drop on your toe, uh, you fracture your toe. You go and eat crab, you cannot break the crab, use the Taiko Tai. What is next to the Taikotai? Motorola handphone, the flip phone, right? Nowadays, it is not handphone anymore. It is smartphone. The smartphone sometimes outsmart us because some of us do not know how to use our phone. Okay, bottom left. What is bottom left? Uh, pager. We used to hear, Sangha pager. Uh, that is the pager. Uh. 
Uh, from no number to have number to alphabets and then face off. The first generation, when your pager beep, you know what you must do? You must call operator. You call the operator and then give your operator your number and then the operator will read the message to you. I'm not joking. That's the first generation. Then later on, got number. So you can return call to that number. And then later on, there's a text, you know, like a SMS text like that. Before it got phased out when handphone was introduced. Bottom center, what is that? Television. Huh? From black and white to color, huh? to tuning, to press button, and then now got LCD, LED, uh, OLED. <laughs> what about that, that thing there? That Game Boy, Nintendo. How many of you still play Nintendo? Wow, still have, uh, very proud. <laughs> If you have any of these things, uh, you can be proud. Not because you have the latest technology. If you have any of these things, you can be proud because you own an antique. Why am I showing you this? It was not too long ago when we had this, right? But it has become outdated. It is insufficient for us. It is inconsistent. Today, if you follow the brighter star, the brighter star you can find, eh? today, if you follow that brighter star, it won't lead you to Jesus. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because Jesus already came. Outdated information. If you think that Jesus is only a baby, that is inconsistent because we know from our last sermon, that he is fully God and fully man. We are not just to worship baby Jesus because that is insufficient. We must worship Jesus as Saviour and Lord, not a baby. With the wisdom of this world, it is outdated, it is inconsistent, it is insufficient. Because they have common grace, but they don't have special grace. We need more than common grace. We need special grace to understand God's timeless wisdom. King Herod thought that he was also very wise, right? He consulted the chief priests and he consulted the teachers of the law. And he inquired of them, and then he called the Magi and then told them that you go and find your Jesus and then after that come and let me know because I also want to worship him. But we know that that's that not his intent. What is his intent? His intent is to get rid of the threat to his throne. That is the wisdom of this world. And then when we think about the timeless wisdom of God, we can look back at our two sermons. The first one, what do you remember? The genealogy. Right? What does that genealogy tell you? That God had a plan. God had a plan over the different generations. And this person was the father of the other person. And then it went on for many generations, remember? 
And then finally, Jesus was born. God's timeless wisdom. Never outdated. Always sufficient. Always consistent. As we think of our last sermon, Fully God, Fully Man, the virgin birth. Just with common grace, you won't be able to make sense of it. It won't make sense logically. How can a virgin give birth? How can Jesus be fully God and fully man? If we use the world's wisdom, the wisdom of this world, we will never ever be able to make sense. We need special grace. So what is special grace? Special grace is the work of the Holy Spirit in calling, regenerating, justifying and sanctifying individual sinners. Special grace is restricted to those who actually come to saving faith in Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. That means to say, the month of December is not just merrymaking. Not the exchange, just the exchanging of gifts. Not just putting up Christmas tree. Not just going for a holiday. When you have special grace, you understand Jesus is the reason for the season. It is not just giving of gifts. It is God giving us His gift. Giving of gifts is correct. But it's a half-truth. Scripturally, it is God giving us the gift. And therefore, we give gifts to one another. Calling us, regenerating us, justifying us, sanctifying us. These are big theological words. Okay? Special grace is restricted to those who are able to experience all this. We may have experienced it, but we do not know the terminology for it. So let me unpack it for us. God, in His timeless wisdom, sent Jesus Christ as a baby born of the Virgin Mary to be the Savior of the world. God, in His timeless wisdom, also have elected to save some from their sin. That means He knows who He's going to save. And those whom He knows, He calls. And he calls some to be saved from their sins by sending the Holy Spirit into our hearts. When we have the Holy Spirit, we are able to recognize and admit that I am a sinner. I'm separated from God. I do not deserve to be with Him. I deserve punishment for my sin. We can only acknowledge that when we have special grace, when we have the Holy Spirit. If you think that you are not a sinner, you don't have special grace. You have common grace. Because common people, common grace, the rest of the world out there, they think that they are very good. But when we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. When we read the Word of God and it says, all have fallen short of God's glory, we realize that we are not good enough to reach God. So when God calls us, 
to those who believe that Jesus died for their sins, God pardons us and regenerates us, gives us new life. We become new creation. The old man is dead and we arise holy. And that is what baptism is all about, you know, when, you, when they get immersed, right? When they come up, they are new creation. Dead in Christ, alive in God. And then it regenerates us with new life. Give us new identity. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. And He proclaims and justifies us. You are now holy. You are now holy. Not because of what I have done. Not because of my effort. Not because I am holy. I will never be holy. You will never be holy. But because you believe that Jesus died for your sins, you have been justified by God. God pronounced you holy because you put on the garment of Christ. His righteousness covers all your sin. I like to wear jacket, you know why? Because people cannot see my tummy. That's an illustration for you. It covers my tummy. We are clothed in righteousness, Christ's righteousness. Without that, people see how ugly we are. And then God continues to sanctify us. What is the process of sanctification? Sanctification is the process of becoming Christ-like. We understand this because we went through a series on this. Becoming Christ-like. We are sanctified. We God deal with us, with our sin, one at a time, our bad sins, you know, one at a time. When you, are, when you have victory over level one, you go to level two. Then you go level three. Then you go level four. It's like a, a series of cleansing before you arrive at 100%, right? Like the loading uh, computer, right? The computer program loading. Now you may be 50%, but the process of sanctification will get you to 60, 70, 80, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, then die. Then perfection. We are made holy in response to justification, and that is called sanctification. If you are hearing all this for the first time and you are confused, that is not my intent. You have a whole lifetime to try and understand this, but you experience this by making one decision. What is that one decision? You don't understand all this, it is all right. Today you decide. I am a sinner. I want to trust Jesus and receive God's gift. He can wash away all my sins. That is the only thing you need to decide. And then you have the whole lifetime to go and work this out. Or God will work it out in you. The first step is to invite Jesus into your heart. I want to give us an opportunity to do that. This is not the end of the sermon yet, but I feel that I need to give you an opportunity to respond. I sense that God wants to give you special grace. He wants to give you that timeless wisdom that is not outdated, that is consistent, 
that is sufficient. So with all our eyes closed, heads bowed, if you like to like me to lead you in prayer, you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, put up your hand and put it down. This is not to shame you. I have done that before, putting up my hand. All of us have received Jesus before, so we understand what you are doing. This is not to shame you, but I want to lead you in prayer. Anybody? Thank you, I see your hand. Any more? God sees your heart. I see your hand. When I see your hand, I can pray for you and lead you in prayer. Any more? I won't wait long. Last call. Okay, let us pray together. I see your hand. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your special grace because you look at us as special people chosen by you. And you have given us the Holy Spirit to humbly come before you and admit that we are sinners and we need your grace, your special grace. Lord, sorry we are sinners. Forgive us of our sins. Give me the Holy Spirit so that I can continue to be obedient and follow you all the rest of my life and become Christ-like. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. True wisdom is the wisdom that recognizes the power of God. True wisdom is the ability to be able to choose to believe and worship even when we don't fully understand. True wisdom is the ability to surrender our intellect, our limited intellect, before an infinite God. True wisdom is one who is willing to be humble before God. We may not be able to under, fully understand many things. I cannot fully explain to you the triune God. I cannot fully understand and explain to you how God, how Jesus can be God, fully God and fully man. Just like we may not be able to see and explain electricity. But one thing we know, right? When we flip the switch, the light comes on. There's electricity. When I cry out to God for help, God is there to hear me and save me. And I know I have this peace that is inside me. I know that there is God deep down inside me. That is the light coming on. I may not be able to explain all the technicalities. Truth be told, we cannot fully understand God unless He chooses to reveal Himself to us. And because we have a finite mind, we cannot bear all the information. Our computer will crash. It's not enough to hold everything from God. 
So we need to humbly admit and surrender our limited intellect to God as worship. And have the faith to believe. And we need to be secure, brothers and sisters. We need to be secure. Because the Word of God informs us and tells us and the Holy Spirit convicts us, we need to be secure. We are sons and daughters of the living and true God. The one who is still in control. The one who has the victory. Opposing information from the world. Don't be threatened by that. Science may be different. Science is inconsistent. Research is inconsistent. We all know that. Don't be affected by that. If it is in the word of God, be secure. We are sons and daughters. When word of God says God is a triune God, we understand. Jesus, fully God, fully man, we agree. And that is good enough. How can Jesus be a son who is the mother? We don't have to explain that. We understand the virgin birth. Faith is believing and believing is seeing. I want to close with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 to 31. God's word asks this, where is the wise person? This is NIV. Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, referring to common grace, did not know Him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. That is special grace. Jews demand a sign, or Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Today we ask ourselves, what are we seeking for? Are we seeking for signs, miracles? Are we seeking for wisdom? Or are we seeking for Christ crucified? A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. If you are seeking for signs, if you are seeking for wisdom, you will be stumbled. You will be stumbled by today's message. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. 
It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I thank God. I'm just a little bit smart, not very smart. And we must recognize our limit. When we go beyond that, we act smart, we care him. And that is dangerous. That is so dangerous that we can end up creating God. We sang that song. God is not a God who is created by human hands. But some of us, we create God with our intellect. Not human hands. Is the God you worship the God of the Bible? I pray so. Not God of our own thinking. The wisdom of this world is outdated, inconsistent and insufficient. Choose God's timeless wisdom and depend on Him for your salvation. Today, your takeaway from this sermon is this. Wisdom that is not timelessly eternal is eternally out of date. Choose God's timeless wisdom. Seek the timeless wisdom of God this Christmas. And we pray for one another that we seek the timeless wisdom of God. Let us pray together. I give you a minute to pray. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that your Holy Spirit has made us wise. Because we know, fools say that there is no God. We are wise because we recognize that you are God. And you alone are God. And we worship you. And we pray that you continue to give us wisdom because the book of James tells us if we lack wisdom, we ask for wisdom. But we thank you that you are the wise God who knows what to give us. So that we can continue to remain humble and acknowledge you as God and surrender our all to you, including our intellect. So we thank you. Thank you for the message and thank you for salvation for those who have raised their hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and